Today's episode of the NBA show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. The moment we've all been waiting for is about to arrive. The official start of the NBA season. This offseason was filled with a lot of big changes and fresh starts. With the fresh starts in your life, talk to a State Farm agent so when it comes to your insurance, you don't have to go at it alone. A lot of fresh starts and maybe... Some fresh new contracts for some guys that we're going to be talking about a little bit later as the rookie extension deadline is upon us for Buddy Heal, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, and others. Talk to your State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can help you prepare for the big changes in your life. State Farm. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon and joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Conflict, a.k.a. Kevin O'Camera, a.k.a. Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin Opinionated, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Croissant. Kevin O'Climber, Kevin. Verno, what's going on today? How you doing? I'm sorry about your Cardinals. Oh, man. Well, uh, just to update everybody from last week, I was able to take my son up to St. Louis, and we had the time of our lives getting to just go to the NLCS. But I must tell you that it is much more fun when the team you are rooting for hits the ball. And that happened less than a handful of times the entire weekend. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was kind of a tough spot with uh with the Cardinals getting smashed and then obviously they continued that against the Washington Nationals last night. Must just be the Nationals year. It actually feels I don't know how big of a uh a Red Sox fan you were in 04, you know, the very, first one. Very big at the time. Okay. Very it, big. As a Cardinals fan, it feels like that series, honestly, where it's like you never had a chance, never had a lead. It's reminiscent of that. Time to cowboy up, Chris. Yeah, right. I guess so. Hopefully the well, I don't know. Is Kevin Euclid is Kevin Euclid around anywhere? We no, need no, him. You need your Dave Roberts steal. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a Kevin Millar on your team? The problem with the needing the Dave Roberts steal is in order to get the steal, you need to have somebody on base. <laughs> and that seems to be the issue here is not being able to get anybody on base. Uh, anyways, all in all, look, in terms of a father-son weekend, it was awesome. Uh, dove right back into the NBA uh, upon my arrival back home, and you and I were texting last night knowing that this was going to be a huge story. The moment that LeBron James was in front of microphones last night, we knew this was going to be a huge story. How huge a story? This morning, when I was getting everything ready for the podcast today, I I turned on my TV and it was on uh it was on NBC and the Today Show was on <laughs> and I heard Hoda throwing to their on-site reporter or whatever it was. The topic was LeBron James speaks on China and I was like, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> Like the Today Show is like this is what they're talking about this morning. And last night, um, you know, I began last episode by quoting Mike D'Antoni saying, You are wrong no matter what you say, 
and I'm not a diplomat. I'm a basketball coach. And that's how kind of he was able to kind of avoid the situation completely. We know that uh, not everybody was going to be able to avoid this situation. And certainly there was going to come a time where LeBron James was asked about it last night was that night. Um, he used the terms not educated about the situation, misinformed about the situation in regards to Daryl Morey. Did you hear him? He said he Morey. Did. I did hear that. He said <laughs> he, it. Not, he must listen to you. <laughs> he must listen to me. Had no idea LeBron was a big Ringer NBA yeah. show fan. Or maybe he the listens sh- to the Memphis show. That's always oh, possible. Maybe so. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> um, and then like he kind of ended, if you listen all the way through, he ended it with, you know, and I think he was misinformed on the situation, uh, but I have no idea. That's just my belief. Is that's kind of how he ended it. And immediately, I mean, the second this thing gets posted, he is getting roasted. Absolutely roasted. Um he got uh he got ratioed on Twitter with with the follow-up tweets. Like big time. I mean, out well, out, look. It's going to be a very difficult position for LeBron to be in. And I know there's going to be the keyboard warriors out there and say, it's not difficult at all. All you have to do is say this, you know, like it is a difficult situation. Thank you. It is a difficult situation. Um, But I think with said difficult situation, he handled it extremely poorly. Um, There was a much easier way, I think, for him to deal with this. You know, I read my buddy Sherwood Strauss last week saying, you know, look, in 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 these cases, it's probably instead of trying to put up a front about all of this, silence may just be the best thing to do here, right? That may be the choice to make. Um, well, rather well, I, I than think, sh- should we read, you know, the comment just to give it a con- a little context in case yeah, somebody, sure. you know. I, so this is the quote that people are especially being mad about. LeBron said, "I believe he, Daryl Morey." wasn't educated on the situation at hand and he spoke and so many people could have been harmed not only financially but physically emotionally spiritually so just be careful what we tweet and what we say and what we do um later he tweeted let me clear up the confusion i do not believe there's any consideration for the consequences and ramifications of the tweet i'm not discussing the substance others can talk about that my team in this league just went through a difficult week I think people need to understand what a tweet or statement can do to others. And I believe nobody stopped and considered what would happen. Could have waited a week to send it. Um, okay. So I, this is yeah. what this is what people did not expect. Yes. People did not expect LeBron James' first public comments to be jumping Daryl Morey. Yes. I'm honestly just surprised LeBron and his team, you know, clutch Lakers, you know, had more than a week to come up with with something to respond with. And this is what they came up with. Whether you agree with him or not, I'm just surprised this is what he said. And I, I thought, I mean, LeBron was clearly saying in his eyes, Daryl was misinformed about the power of Twitter and how the people that were in China could be harmed. And it seemed he was implying that he meant they were in potential physical danger. And like, you can, I think anybody can understand why you might be nervous about that if you're in a place that is, um, whether it is a foreign country or whether it is a place where something, you know, scary is happening politically. I think anybody can understand that. However, that's, that's not what he said. <laughs> it, it's not what he, it's only what he applied. And I, I think if that's what he meant, maybe, you know, just saying that would have made people a bit more understanding of the situation. And I, I think if we combined with what 
what what LeBron said with what Sham Sharani reported yesterday, which was clearly somebody plugged right into the meeting that Adam Silver had with the Nets and Lakers. And Shams uh, pretty much reported that LeBron said it was unfair for young players to be thrust into the spotlight to speak publicly about an issue like that and that there was concern about their safety. And that was reported by Shams, not what LeBron said. It's just what LeBron said in the meeting, according to Shams. And, you know, if that's the case, I don't understand why you don't just say it. I think all LeBron really had to say yesterday was something quite vague. And we wouldn't be having this conversation today. They wouldn't be having this conversation on the Today Show. All you really had to say was something like, it was an overall unfortunate situation. These are important issues that Daryl was speaking up for, and he has the right to do that. It was just a hard week for everybody being overseas, and I'm glad we got home safely. And then the natural thing to do, somebody would have followed up asking about his opinion on the Hong Kong protesters. And at that point, LeBron easily just could have said, I've always been a champion of free speech, as you guys always know. I stand up for that, and I support that. But this is an issue where that I am not totally educated on. That is something I am trying to inform myself about. And people would be mad this morning, just like they were about Steve Kerr. You might have Donald Trump saying LeBron James is a phony. You might have all that. But the response would be a whole lot more muted than it is with the stance that he did take. And that's why, overall, I'm just really shocked that this was the way they went about it. Here's two things. If we're if we're just going to keep it real, wrong or not, everybody thinks that he's protecting his business deals, right? There's a lot of money, and that's what that was at the heart of this. All these guys are pissed at Daryl because if Daryl doesn't send that tweet, none of this happens. Everybody just keeps on going their merry way. That's the truth of the matter. Um, and there was guys. If you read the Shams article. There was guys that had, you know, a bunch of guys had public appearances that they were going to make money off of canceled. The G League guys that were going to be playing in the showcase got their stuff canceled. Kyle Kuzma was about to announce a deal with the Chinese company, and that got canceled. Two Rockets players um, were about to sign endorsement deals with companies, and those got canceled. And so there was a lot of money at stake, and obviously you've got LeBron who's got the entire Nike conglomerate behind him and he has a movie coming out which stands to make <laughs> all, all manner of dollars over in China right so the last thing he wants to do is upset China um the issue for LeBron is if you have been more than willing to, uh, to speak your mind and 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 wear shirts constantly that say more than an athlete and, and very recently had the governor of California you know signing the pay for play document on his very show and, you know, has fancied himself an agent for social change. Then when given the opportunity, when, 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 when given the opportunity to be in front of a microphone to Chuck Daryl Morey under the bus as to look at all the problems he's caused for all of us by, you know, by this one tweet, that's how that comes off. That comes off like LeBron saying, look at, look at how many problems he caused for everybody. He's going to take his lumps over this. It's going to be, and and it was wildly unpopular what he said last night. And I've got to believe if he could do it over, he'd do it over. Sure. I mean, I think ultimately it was, I thought it was a bit unfair of LeBron to say Maury was misinformed. I mean, I, I think Daryl Maury is, was informed on human rights and informed, you know, but I don't think Daryl could have expected his tweet to put people in danger. All he was really trying to do was to raise awareness 
in his eyes for the Hong Kongers protesting for their freedoms. Um, I don't think anybody could have expected even Tillman Fertetta, who responded to Daryl and you know immediately. I don't think he or Daryl or anybody well, on Friday night when didn't. it happened. Could, Nobody could have expected the reaction to, 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 for it to unfold the way it has. Of course. And, and you know, here's the problem. When you said the whole bit about he could have just come out and say, you know, I support democracy and freedom of speech and whatnot and whatnot. Well, here's the problem. Adam Silver did that. And he was able to do that retroactively. You know what I'm saying? As to say, you were not punishing this guy and here's what our league believes in, right? But be not dismayed. You can say that all you want, and you can say, I support freedom of speech, and we support freedom of speech, and let everybody say whatever, but um, you think they're not monitoring what everybody says right now? Do you think that it would be, do you think if somebody came out again and did the same thing, that it would be met with the same level of support that he tried to give the first time around? Because you saw what LeBron said, right? And LeBron jumped Daryl. And I think he was wrong to do so, but he, that's what he did. And uh, it's a lot easier to retroactively support freedom of speech than if somebody were to do it right now or if LeBron would have even done it last night. And, you know, they all know that there are billions and billions of dollars on the line. And so it is, are you willing to suppress your speech or is it more nuanced than that? And just say, hey, I'm I'm not getting involved in this, you know? And if you want to destroy me for not getting involved in this, then so be it, right? If you want to destroy me for having business interest and doing business uh, where I do, then so be it. But I mean, I just, here's here's another element to this that was not brought up last night, but I bet if you gave him truth serum and you sat him in a room, this is exactly what he'd take, Kevin. He'd say, you know what? Here's the other thing. It wasn't even him that was going to have to deal with this. He sends this thing from another country. And it's the Lakers and the Nets and these other teams that have to deal with this. We're the ones going to China. We're the ones in the middle of this. And we're the ones that have to answer for all of this. Right? It'd be different if he sent out his tweet and then his team was in China. But his team wasn't in China. He sent out the tweet and left all of them to answer for it. And that's why you have that meeting where they get all mad with Adam Silver. And I do think a good point in one of the, I, I believe it was Rachel Nichols reported this and said at one point during that meeting, they brought up, okay, so you didn't discipline, you, you didn't, you know, you stood behind Daryl Morey. What if a player would have done this? Did you stand behind him? That they said that to Adam Silver, which is a very fascinating, you know, fascinating thing to consider, right? Sure. I mean, it, Last night it came up that 12 years ago, uh, Cavaliers player Ira Nubel wrote a letter um, criticizing China's role um, in the genocide in Darfur. And, um, you know, everybody on the team signed that letter except for LeBron James and, and Damon Jones. Um, and at the time, LeBron was criticized for that. And I... For, I mean, I t totally forgot about that. I, I think I remember it vaguely happening at the time. And for LeBron, LeBron, he ultimately, you know, look at history. And this is a different situation, but comparable. And ultimately, that was forgotten about, just like this will be forgotten about in 12 years. Um, he's going to keep in the Chinese bag. He's keeping the American bag. And 
LeBron protected his own business interests. And you know what? That's that. Um, it's going to be forgotten about. You know, it's, right now it's a huge issue, but it will be forgotten about. Here's where, here's where I would tell you. It will not be forgotten about with continuing the more than an athlete stance. Yeah, that's that's the that's tough where part it, here. it won't. Yeah. It won't, Kevin. It won't. You will carry it with you. That's the difference. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like, I mean, there aren't you know Kyle Kuzma is not. You know what I mean? Like, who was about to announce a deal? Or you know, we've talked about there's guys with Chinese shoe deals right now, a bunch of them. Uh, but if if you're doing a show and having the governor of California on and being an agent for social change and you want to speak up on all manner of topics and you want to take on the president and you want to, uh, you know, take on injustices and you want all and, and that's going to be part of your thing and you are going to be more than an athlete. That's when, you know, the rubber meets the road is when something like this happens. Yeah, you know what, Chris? I I think I've, I'm wrong. You know, I think this is something where there will be a lot of people who will forget it. But this is something that, because of the stance that he has taken with social justice, that it will not be something that people, for, for the most part, do forget. So you're you're right in that sense, and I think we already saw this happening last night where people were pulling up his old tweet where he tweeted out um, in 2018, "Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere." Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Hashtag thank you, MLK50. Um, stuff like that um, contrasts with what choices he made yesterday, for sure. Today's episode of the NBA show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. The moment we've all been waiting for is about to arrive. The official start of the NBA season. This offseason was filled with a lot of big changes and fresh starts. The fresh starts in your life. Talk to a State Farm agent so when it comes to your insurance, you don't have to go at it alone. A lot of fresh starts in the NBA this season, including one that's going to be happening in Dallas as we get to see the Luka Doncic Kristaps Porzingis partnership for the first time and a bunch of new players to go alongside those guys and will or will they not make the playoffs this upcoming year Kevin and I are going to be talking about that but remember talk to your State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can help you prepare for the big changes in your life State Farm Basketball is happening and basketball is around the corner and I cannot fathom uh, how lucky you felt last night to be witnessing a lineup with Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Glenn Robinson III, Marquise Chris, and Eric Paschal. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 never gonna forget it. <laughs> what was that? I mean, and then like, so you went to uh, Lakers Warriors, right? I left at halftime because I had to get writing done. I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, LeBron didn't play. The starting backcourt for the Lakers was Zach Norvell Jr. and Alex Caruso. No, Norvell looks pretty good. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, he did. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you had 22 last night, huh? You know who, you know who looks really great? Dwight Howard. <laughs> he, he was passing the hell out of the ball last night, man. Dwight Howard looks woo, really right? good. Really good. Against the Warriors B squad or C squad. but you know. There was no uh, Looney. There was no Green. There was no Cauley Stein. There was no D'Angelo Russell. There was no Clay Thompson. Um, it was simply uh, Steph Curry uh, by it, his lonesome and, and of the starters. Chris. I said of the starters. I Come know, on. I know, I know. 
And then on the on the Lakers side, not that many guys were playing last night. So I'd imagine that even in that first half, you had literally no takeaway. No. <laughs> good. All right. Except for the Dwight get- Howard part. Except for that, that he actually looked pretty good. Good for Dwight. Um, you recently wrote about the Dallas Mavericks and going down there. And I saw you, boy, did you eat some good food in Dallas, huh? Oh, it was so good. Luka Doncic and Chris S. Porzingis are on the same team for the Dallas Mavericks. And you went to go do a deep dive and try to figure out uh, what's what about the Mavericks this upcoming season. Tell me what you found out. Uh, the Mavericks are just as excited as any fan of the Mavericks is. Uh, I talked to Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban. Um, you can hear the excitement in their voice and in the words that they say about this roster. And I thought one of the more interesting things was, you know, Donnie Nelson talked about the 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 steps forward with this team, where he sees a a natural possession, uh, natural progression, where. They already are a team that they perceive as a potential playoff team this year with Luka, uh, who has had one of the greatest rookie seasons ever last year, and Chris Dapps, who the last time we saw him play was a really great two-way player who did trail off towards the end before he tore his ACL, but in theory of two-star players with a pretty solid overall supporting cast. And so they see the playoffs this year. Um, Then Donnie Nelson mentioned how it's a good draft in 2020. Uh, They have their own pick next year. Um, then he sees, you know, the amount of cap space that they could have in 2021. And so he sees that, that progression moving forward where this is playoff year, take a step forward next year, draft a good player. And then in 2021, maybe at that point you sign that guy who puts you into serious finals contention as Doncic and Porzingis are sending upward. Um, but ultimately, ultimately we're years away from that now. And, as as of today, this Mavericks team to me is one of the more fascinating teams in the league because you have so many so many interesting young teams. Whether it's Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox or or Minnesota having a drastically new system with Carl Anthony Towns, or as we you and I have talked about, Chris with Memphis and Jaron Jackson and John Morant, but none of those young teams are as ready right now for the postseason as Dallas is. Yeah, well, how about the Pelicans, who yeah, seemingly, yep. they're on TV all the time during the preseason. I swear I see them all the time. <laughs> yeah, Pelicans, too. And, I mean, we could have two really young teams in Dallas and New Orleans competing for the postseason this year in the West. They might not make it. One of them might make it. None of them might make it. But those teams are going to be in it, I think. Oh, there are a bunch of teams that are going to have that uh, that uh, that opportunity, you know, to get to the eighth seed. You know, if we if we think that what is going to happen is that Oklahoma City drops out and so it opens up a spot. Well, we said that spot would immediately be taken by the Lakers. That's what we all think, right? And so someone else has to be the one that drops out from last year's teams, right? Like that's that's just simple math. Sacramento. Sacramento. No, no, no. I'm saying somebody has to drop out. If they're going to get in, it has to be like a San Antonio dropping out. Or if Dallas is also going to get in, it has to be OKC trading everybody away. No, no, no. I'm saying uh, I'm saying Oklahoma City. I'm saying let's drop them out. Oh, yeah. That, that's what I mean. Like, oh, you're, okay, already, well, that's saying, the Lakers you're spot. already saying to drop them out. I'm saying drop them out so that's the Lakers spot. Already. Well, yes. I, I, that's what I'm saying. Yes. I, I suspect that the Lakers will have a playoff spot and that Oklahoma City will not, okay? So that drops out one of them. So now you got to figure out who else you dropping out. 
Are you, are you out sure? Portland? I mean, I, I'm not sure. Like Oklahoma City is the team to drop out. I mean, they have a, a good roster. It's just a matter of whether they're going to blow it up and trade all those guys, which they want to do and will try to do at some point during the season. From everything I've heard um, from executives across the league, that they will try to. But it doesn't well, mean just, that they no, will be I mean, able to. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't think that they are fancying themselves as a team that this is what they're maximizing with. Right? They're obviously a team with the eye for the future. Um. And the, but they might not be able to move Chris Paul, right? Exactly. That, that, That's what I mean. Totally they might possible. not be able to. Okay. What, what if Chris Paul's really good? And, you know, Danell Gallinari's having a great year. Like, they could be good. Yeah. It's, Do you think they're better the, than the Lakers? Point point is, is there's like 13 teams in the West for eight playoff spots. What I'm saying is you don't think they're better than the Lakers. I dropped them out and I put the Lakers in. That's what I did. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, okay. of course, and Lakers so, are better. So now you got to, now the Spurs is your only one. Because I promise you, you don't think any of the others are dropping out, do you? I don't know, man. Like, like I just said, there's 12 or 13 teams for eight spots and one injury, one turned ankle. You know, the, the West is freaking loaded, man. It's loaded. It's really loaded. And you could expect any of these teams to go one way or the other with the decisions that they make, whether it's a trade, whether it's deciding to add a guy or get rid of a guy, whether it's, you know, if LeBron misses 10 games or AD misses 10 games. I mean, it, there's going to be like a really great team that misses the playoffs. I don't know who it's going to be. I would pick an LKC. I would pick a San Antonio. Um, I wouldn't pick a Golden State. I think they're going to be really good, even without Clay for the opening part of the season. Well, but even, that, even with them, point, though, they don't have the amount of depth that that you would hope for with their lack of star point, power. Up it top. doesn't seem like a huge deal, but there's already been an MRI on Anthony Davis, and I think that speaks to the tenuous yeah. nature of what they've got going right. I mean, if look, take Anthony Davis out of that lineup, it's going to be hard to get to 50 wins. I mean, you're just not. You're not getting to 50 wins is the point. But it, uh, how many games does he miss if he misses games? And same like you said with LeBron. Um, they are, because of the way that roster is built, you do wonder how, how, many, how much would they be able to win if one of those two is out. Say for a... 10-game stretch, 20-game stretch, right? I mean, if they, you know, do you get 65-plus games out of both of them? That will certainly decide it. Health is going to be paramount for them. And like I said, we just saw that story the other day about him having an MRI. And we haven't even gotten to the season yet. So, yeah. And fortunately for the Lakers, that injury does not appear to be serious. It does not. Um, it does not appear to be serious. W- w- one right. thing. One thing. Back to Dallas. Yep. Um, I, I I think that Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis fit. Uh, I mean, Kristaps right now is working off almost two years of rust. Um, so I wouldn't read into any preseason production too much. But man, on paper, dude, Dallas, what they're building right now, Kristaps is able to stay healthy, and Luka continues to ascend upward, which I think is fair to expect, considering he's been on that upward trajectory since he was. 15 years old. Um, these guys are an ideal fit together. There's, they have so few overlapping strengths. They, they have so many complementary and enhancing strengths that they make each other better with Luca being the playmaker and Chris Stapps being the finisher. Um, but Luca also being able to be a finisher. Like These guys, with their pick-and-roll attack, with the amount of floor spacing that they ideally would like to build moving forward, these guys could be a destructive force. Uh, for years and years to come. Oh, for sure. But look, they have to, and we, you and I have talked about the Mavericks going back a long way where I thought you were goofy for uh, calling them a possible playoff team. I just think that, that, you know, this is 
two, three years, right? And it could happen faster. Um, but they're not a playoff team now. I mean, look. Are you sure? How sure are you? Very sure. Who's their third best player, Kevin? <laughs> I mean, you could say that with a lot of teams, though. No, I can't. Who is it? I mean, right now they have, look, I got in a conversation with somebody recently about. Just name about, it. Just no, give no, me no. a name. No, I'm I'm gonna give you multiple names. The point no, is, is that I want Dal- a no. name. I, the point is, Chris, is that Dallas right now. You look at their roster; they don't have any big name third stars on their roster. Like I could give you a Delon Wright, I could give you a Maxi Kleber, I could give you a Dwight Powell, and none of those names are going to get you excited, and rightfully so. They don't have a third guy. The point is, is that they do have a handful of talented role players that are complimentary to Luka Doncic and Chris Stapps Porzingis in their backcourt. They have the spark plug scorer and Seth Curry, the two-way gritty guy in Jalen Brunson, the super, super versatile defender in DeLon Wright. In the front court, they have Dwight Powell, who is one of the most efficient, most dominant rolling bigs in the league, uh, who can also shoot threes. They have Maxi Kleber, who is probably one of the biggest bargains with his uh, average annual contract of around 9 to $10 I like million. Kleber. I like Kleber. So the, the point is, is that they don't have that third guy, and that's what their drawback is right now. But they do have a lot of solid role players that haven't established themselves as big names. But maybe now with Chris Tapps and Luca sharing the court, if those guys get better, one of those guys does become one of those household role player names. I was just making sure I had it right. No, their third best player was a backup for the Grizzlies last year. I was just making sure I had that right. By the way, DeLon Wright was pretty solid for the Grizzlies last year when he was provided yeah, the that, opportunity. That's... that's but that's what it was. He was a backup for the Grizzlies last year, and that's who you named as their third best player. No, I wouldn't say he was. I would say it was, I would say Maxi Kleber. If you want a straight up answer, I think Maxi Kleber at, at the center position is ideally what you want, close to ideally what you want next to Kristaps Porzingis as a solid shooter, as a good role man, as a good passer, and as a very versatile defender for a big man with the ability to defend on the perimeter or inside. The future is insanely bright. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, you know, it, know. It's, it's it's just it's just not now. It's just not right now. That's all I'm saying. That's not. I, I listen. I, I I love Luca. I love Chris uh, Apps, and they they the rest of their roster isn't good enough. That's what I'm telling you. That's what I believe. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. And so I guess I, I mean yeah. uh, the all all my stance is that we don't know which way San Antonio, Oklahoma City is going to go. We don't know which teams are going to stay healthy. All I know is that I, out of the the teams that are on that bubble, Dallas, New Orleans, Minnesota, Sacramento, of those younger teams, I would pick Dallas or New Orleans as the most probable to take one of those playoff spots if something comes up with an injury or a trade or something like that. That's where I would put Dallas in the playoffs. I would not put them as like a four or five seed. If they get in, it's as a seven or an eight. You like you like them more than Sacramento then? I do. I think with Sacramento, I have, I have some serious questions with their half-court score offense after they ranked, I think, 20th last, last season in half-court scoring efficiency. Um, I I, I want to see them get a lot better there. They will. You know why? Marvin Bagley. This is a breakout year, and you're never going to hear the end of it. Trust me. Okay. I will, I will be relentless. All right. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, big decisions for a lot, actually, of NBA teams because the rookie extension deadline is right around the corner. We'll talk about some of those names on the other side. 
All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. Want to remind everybody, today's episode is brought to you by Luminary, a podcast subscription service with some of the best content around. I'm excited about Luminary because it's the only place I can listen to The Ringer's amazing new podcast, Sonic Boom, How Seattle Lost Its Team, hosted by our very own Jordan Ritter Cone. If you're a fan of sports, great investigative journalism, or both, this is definitely the podcast you can't miss. For more than four decades, the Seattle Supersonics were among the NBA's most iconic franchises. But in 2008, they packed their bags for Oklahoma City. Sonic Boom tells a story of basketball and politics, wealth, and power. Along with Sonic Boom, Luminary offers more than 40 podcasts you can't find anywhere else, including two more from The Ringer, Break Stuff, The Story of Woodstock 1999, and The Rewatchables spinoff, The Rewatchables 1999. The Luminary app is free to download and gives you access to way more than just their own content. You can use it to listen to thousands of other shows, including this one. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash ringernba. After that, it's only $7.99 per month. That's luminary.link slash ringernba for two months of free access. luminary.link slash Ringer NBA. Cancel any time. Terms apply. All right, Kevin. So the rookie extension deadline is coming up very quickly. We have already had Ben Simmons, Jamal Murray, and Karis LeVert sign deals. Uh, Simmons, 168.2. Murray, 168.2. Uh, LeVert, three years, 52 million. Um, I went and looked up some of the names and I want to go through some of these to tell, uh, and you tell me what you think. So just as a point of reference, and I was a little surprised by this, there was, a, 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 there was only five guys that signed rookie extensions last year. Um, Justice Winslow, 339. Larry Nance Jr., 445. Miles Turner, 472. And then you had Booker, with the five-year 158 and Towns with the five-year 190 million. Okay. So I've mentioned the three guys, Ben Simmons, Jamal Murray, Karis Levert. Uh, Buddy Heald has said, I am ready to get this blank done. Um, he is eligible for four years, 130 million, five years up to 170 million. Um, they've also got Boyan Bogdanovich who's eligible for four years, 51 million. But Buddy Heald's quote was, I want to get this blank done. Um, you know, basically, I want to be in Sacramento. If it doesn't get done, though, you know, it's free roll here because basically, I mean, it made it sound like I'll be insulted and I'll be, I'll be looking for whatever I want to uh, next summer. If you are Sacramento, do you commit big to Buddy Heald? I mean, Buddy Heald just had one of the greatest shooting seasons ever for a, a two guard, whatever you want to call them. But that's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money. I think you would need to assume or hope for a bit more improvement moving forward. He's already such a good player at, at 26. And I, he was a late bloomer in high school, a late bloomer in college. And he is somebody who is constantly blossoming in the NBA as well. Um, He's a guy that you want to have in your organization, so I don't really think you have a choice. But if you do give that money, you you have to hope for even more than what you already have in him, which is a, a lot, and he's good. Um, but you need him to continue progressing, especially on the ball, 
rather than off the ball and pick and roll situations and all that and continuing to make pro- incremental progress as a playmaker and as a defender. Um, so I don't think you have a choice. But at the same time, he is still a restricted free agent and you do have his rights moving forward if you do decide to wait. But this is like this is the the fascinating aspect here with these free agents, whether it is Buddy Heald or Jalen Brown or Pascal Siakam is next year's free agency free agency class is so weak. It is a weak class with yeah. unrestricted free agents. So theoretically some of these guys could receive those max level contract offers anyway. And then it's a situation like Utah had with Gordon Hayward years ago, where if you just gave the money up front, you avoid the whole issue of like him, you know, feeling like he was slighted by the organization by not getting the money anyway. So that's where you, know, you get it, into it's it. Right. Tough, man. But the other side of it though, is because of, as we talked about last week, as Keith Smith and others have reported, the salary cap could potentially drop slightly. I mean, yeah, that could but, happen. But I don't I don't think it w- I don't think it will. Um, in their situation, you're, you, you if if they if they if they play to potential, you're going to be shelling out an awful lot of money for Darren Fox and for Marvin Bagley in, you know, 2021, right? Or or the following years. Um where you're trying to get them on extensions too. You know, the mistake I, I, here's my thing. I'd have paid Buddy Heald Way before I paid all that money to Harrison Barnes, and and Bogdan Bogdanovich too, he might be able to keep both, right? I mean, I've I, sure, yeah, and with, with with Harrison Barnes, I mean, he's he's a, he's all right, but, but twenty million annually, um, not a big fan of that contract either. You know what I'm saying? That's all that 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 that's when I talk about you know sometimes you 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 make a mistake that uh, was four years, eighty five million, they signed him for. I will say this about Barnes, though. It is a descending contract. So in the fourth year of that deal, it'll be $18.3 million. Right now, it's $24.1. Point being is that like he he does become a tradable piece. If your intention is to keep yeah. Buddy Heald and to keep Bogdan Bogdanovich, that Harrison Barnes contract in a year or two becomes a tradable asset. So you, you do need to have... You do need to have those pieces that you use and what you hope for is an opportunity to trade for a a high impact right. player. So in that sense, it's not not illogical to keep Harrison Barnes at that number. It is just a risk because of the other guys that you have coming up. I'd keep Buddy Healed. He shoots the ever loving hell out of the ball and we can talk yeah. about his knocks, but in a and, league and, where and he's such a high character a, guy too. Oh, and and I told you last year, there was a day the Kings were off. This guy was in the arena on the actual NBA court for two hours working out by himself, just pouring with sweat. Nobody else, not one other person was with him, not even a ball guy that was like rebounding for him, just out there doing it. And I was like, my God, like that's exactly that, that, that's exactly the kind of guys you want. You know what I mean? The guys that even, you know, even when there's nothing scheduled, they're just going in there trying to get better and better and better. And it's something no one would ever see. I just happened to to be aware of it. Sure. I mean, that, um, that's one of the reasons why I loved Buddy in the drafts. In his 2016 year, I think I had him, I mean, I had some bad rankings that year, but I think I had healed fifth or sixth or something like that in that class, largely because of just the work ethic and the constant rate of improvement, never mind his shooting ability in a league where shooting is the most important skill. Uh, with Buddy, it's been really, really nice to see him turn into the player that he has, and I and I hope that continues forward, especially 
if <laughs> Sacramento drops the bag for him because he right now he is already a very, very good player. Um, but if you're going to get a max contract, you need to be a great player for that to be yeah, I don't, for you I don't to be worthy about, of that. Yeah, I don't know about max necessarily, but well, I mean, well, can that's I get what he him wants. for that's what he's asking for. I, I mean, I could probably get him for one twenty instead of one thirty, right? Like, I mean, can I can sure. I get, can can we can we give you four years one hundred and twenty, or can I give you, you know, three years, you know, and uh, eighty? You know, what I'm saying like we, we figure this out. Sure, I, I think, and I think they will figure it out. I would be surprised yeah. if they don't, whether it is now or whether it is in restricted free agency next summer. I'd yeah. be stunned. Um, all right, these other names, I do want to ask you because. Look, if the track record is a ton of guys don't sign rookie extensions, then so be it. Um, we haven't heard of that many offers. One offer we did hear of, speaking of the whole pissed off, uh, you know how you were talking about the Hayward thing earlier? I didn't catch this, but when I was looking up all these names, uh, the Nuggets offered Malik Beasley three years, $30 million? There is no doubt in my mind Malik Beasley will make way more than that on an open market next year as a restricted free agent. What do you think? Well, I think with Malik Beasley, you got to be valuing yourself and looking at your own career that this past season, for the first time, you averaged over 20 minutes and you shined. And Beasley was a guy who for years has projected as a 3 and D style guy, and that's what he was last year for Denver as a good, versatile defender, as a great shooter off the catch. And this year in preseason, from what I've seen, uh, seems to me that he has improved his handle, which is something that over time he's gotten progressively better at. So if you're Beasley, you got to be thinking about like, do I even want to be in Denver for the best of my own career because of my own abilities? Right now, he'll be 23 entering next season. So he's still super, super young, where maybe for him, the opportunity will not be there in Denver behind guys like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, where maybe for him, it would be best to get more opportunity elsewhere. Maybe I'm crazy. I just I wouldn't have offered that. I would not have. I, I wouldn't even put that on the table. Well, I, I mean, I mean, that, that's part of contract negotiations. No matter what you do, is, but what are they expecting? I mean, uh, I don't know. Look, they got a decision to make because but based off his production and role this past season, that is not an unfair offer. Based off his past production, it is not unfair. But for yeah, but moving that's not forward, what you're signing the contract for. I, yeah. I, it could be. For Malik Beasley, that isn't a, you would expect to be a severe, severe underpayment. Oh, he will make way more than $30 million. Trust me on that. Um, will Barton got the four years, 53. They, I mean, they got to choose, right? Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, Will Barton. So if you're going to keep Beasley and you're going to pay Beasley, then you're moving one of the other two. What you're touching on with Denver, Chris, is one of the more interesting things with their team this year. Last year, I thought they they got by quite well with guys not getting min- minutes, whether it was Juan Hernan Gomez or guys getting inconsistent minutes. They got to pay him uh, too, by the way. Well, well, now now they're in a situation where it's year two of that, where a lot of these guys are going to have to make sacrifices. They have a lot of talent, a lot of depth, a lot of good players. But now somebody who played last season like Torrey Craig may not play because of Michael Porter Jr. Somebody like Juan Hernan Gomez for a second year may not play. You may someone like Will Barton who you're mentioning because Malik Beasley may get better, may not play as often. So with Denver, I do wonder if there's any potential. It may not happen if there's but there is any potential for some chemistry issues to arise over the course well, of the season. Also, you could look at you could get a you could get a bigger turn on Gary Harris. If you just decided, "Hey, we 
we want to keep Malik Beasley, you could get a good return for somebody like a Gary Harris for sure. For sure. I don't think you, you could get a good return. You, you, for you, don't, you don't want to trade Gary Harris, though. I know. You, you don't want to trade him. And I mean, I he is cemented him. as their starter. I'm just saying, if you do that, it, I'm, I, all I'm saying is they have to make that decision to keep Beasley, you know, at, at a price without losing him for nothing. Um, it would mean sacrificing one of the other two, Harris or Barton. Well, in that case, it's, it, it may be Barton, you know, nearing 30. Um, all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That being said, let me ask you about some of these others. Do you believe that Jalen Brown is part of the Boston Celtics core going forward? And do you think there's a possibility they get a deal done with Jalen Brown on a rookie extension deal? I'd be surprised if he got signed to an extension. As for part of the core, it depends on the money. They kind of got burned twice, though, on that, didn't they? Like with the playing it out? they At least with Rozier and with Smart. They let both of those play out, and those guys ended up making more money than if they would have just signed them. Like, could you sign Jalen right now to a $25 million deal? I don't. I wouldn't give him that nope. money, considering his role right now in Boston's team. I, I think, again, it's similar. It's almost exactly the same as what we talked about with Malik Beasley right now. If you're Jalen Brown, yes, you enjoy Boston. Yes, you like playing in Boston. But also, it, the opportunity is not there for him, at least in his eyes, for what he perceives his game to be um, as it could be in a new situation. And that's ultimately what is pretty easily predictable. Another team next next summer looks at Jalen Brown as a 23-year-old player who has not received the opportunity to become the player they may perceive him as. And he could receive a very wealthy offer that Boston indeed just says no to. Or for Boston... I think the best thing to do would be to not sign Jalen Brown right now. It would be to retain the rights and use him as a piece at some point during the season that you would look to trade him as part of a larger package. That's what I would want to do if I'm Boston. Because I like Jalen a lot, but I do not put him on the same level of Jason Tatum or as what you hope Gordon Hayward gets back to being. He's not but on that level. they could be good together. They could. We, we saw it as you know a year ago. They could be really good together. Tatum and Brown. I do think that they complement each other. And I mean, obviously, look, if you could go back in time, you don't do the Hayward deal. And then this is Yeah, I still think you still do no, the I'm Hayward saying, deal. If you can't you don't throw that plays out, you don't throw you don't. that lob pass to, to Hayward five minutes into the game. That's what no, you'd I'm go saying back. if you knew how it plays out, that's what I'm saying. You don't go back and do it. Um Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam. Pelicans one is super interesting, right? Yeah, again, again, like I feel like I'm not giving good answers here, but it just depends on the money. <laughs> it really depends. I, I think ultimately, if I'm a team, I, I would lean towards waiting for mostly every restricted free agent. Unless, unless, unless the player is a no-brainer, max contract player. Don't or, you think both of those can get close to it? Who is that you said? Ingram and Siakam. I think they can both get. Next summer? Yeah, I think they can get a boatload. Yes, yes, I think they're- yes but that's the point. It's like right now you don't give them that money. I I think if you're on the team side, you wait on both of them. Unless you're worried about them leaving you. I mean, yeah, they're restricted free agents. You have their rights. I understand, but I mean, do you want to? I don't know. You know, there there is something to be said for dedicating to the player. We've seen it before. I would say with Ingram, it's more complicated. With Pascal Siakam, I would be quite surprised if he's a not a max player next summer or now with Toronto. So if you're if you're Toronto, you can get him as a near max player right now. 
you do that. With Brandon Ingram, as much as I really love his game and as much as I think he's going to continue to improve more moving forward, I think you, if you're New Orleans, you want to see that rate of improvement alongside this new, brand new core that you have and then pay. With Siakam, what he's shown already at the highest levels on the biggest stage and what you project moving forward for him, I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to get a max from somebody else. Um, yeah, with Ingram, that's what I'm maybe saying. not. Yeah, with these teams, you do wonder, can you get it? Can I get you a little bit lower than the max? Like we were talking about with Heald. Can I get you to sign on a little bit lower than the max? Uh, or maybe, you know, 20 million, you know, lower than what a total max would be. And so that I don't get the screws put to me because there's some team out there that's got the money and they say, hey, well, to hell with it. We're, we'll pay you, right? We need, we need, we need, we need a guy that's 23 that we think is, uh, you know, going to be an all-star and all you got to find is one, you know, that feels that way. And so you might want to get that deal done now is what I'm saying. Rather than, rather than wait, because it could cost you a lot more. Certainly. I think that could be the case with Jalen. Um, probably with Ingram and Siakam too. I mean, they're both look, the, the more they play, the better they're getting. seems like. Uh, the other ones that are like in that class are kind of like Dario Saric, Sabonis, Dejounte Murray, Taurine Prince. You know those names, which are that those. Some of those do kind of fall more in line with the kind of guys that signed last year: Justice Winslow, Larry Nance Jr., Miles Turner. Like not max players, um, but you know, look, they got who was it? That Miles Turner deal looks good as hell now. Four years, 72. You know, that's where it is a real benefit to sign these guys early sometimes, right? Yeah. All right, well, we'll see how it plays out. The The deadline is the 21st. The deadline is uh, the 21st for these guys, and we will find out if anybody does lock in. Uh, Buddy Heald, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, uh, to go along with the guys that have signed extensions, Ben Simmons, Jamal Murray, and Karis LeVert. Kevin, I will talk to you on Friday. I'm looking forward to it, Chris. Have a good one. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Mismatch. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps, and we will talk to you on Friday.